Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we're going to cover Genesis 25 to 26, Psalms 13 and Matthew 13. And we are trekking along through the Bible, through Kingdom.Think podcast. And I just want to remind you that you're here because you're royalty and it's your identity. And even as the stories in the Old Testament, you know, be like, as the deeper you get into your you're thinking, I don't understand, or it's confusing, or it's just remember there's mysteries in the Bible. Even the things you don't understand, there are mysteries that will be revealed because this is no ordinary book. This is no ordinary um, collection of scriptures. This, the scriptures in here have been breathed um, the word of God. So if you trust that, have faith in that, then things will reveal itself to you. And words are so powerful. As we talked about yesterday um, in Matthew 12, how words are life and death is in the power of the tongue and words actually have energy words have power and words have energy so even if we're reading about a story let's say you know Jonah and the whale it's like okay we already know this story Daniel and the lion's den we already know this story you read it knowing that it's going to reveal something to your spirit even if you don't understand because you're using your brain, your spirit will understand the message it's to get. So I just wanted to share that at this point. Um, okay, so chapter 25. So Abraham, he is, this is the death of Abraham. So after Sarah died, Abraham had another wife and her name was Keturah. And she, and it lists her sons, Zimran, Jokshan, Jokshan Madan, you know what I mean, lots of names. Um, and it does specify, and a lot of times when it specifies, it's because something later on in these chapters is going to reference this. So that's why I recommend that you take some time to go ahead and read these names and just become familiar with them. Maybe they'll pop up later and you'll just remember um, the storyline. So Abraham left everything to Isaac. I do believe, yes, he did give some things to his other sons, but he left his fortune, his properties to Isaac because Isaac was um, anointed. Remember, God gave Abraham a very specific vision message and said that downline will come from Sarah. So that's why, because it sounds like, gosh, that wasn't very nice of Abraham to just give everything to Isaac. Agreed. I totally agree with that. However, I'm sure Abraham was coming from a different, a long-term vision. It wasn't about the here and now or whose feelings I hurt. It was about the long-term vision, a long-term promise. And these nations will come from the downline of Sarah. So that's my defense for Abraham, why he didn't equally spread out his fortune. Um, When he died, his sons Isaac and Ishmael were buried with him. Isn't that nice? Ishmael shows up again. Then in the middle of 25, we go into listing all of Ishmael's sons. And this is where the Arab nations come from um, through Ishmael. And so it goes into detail about that. And then moving at the bottom of chapter 25, we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau. Yep. Isaac is going to have two sons with Rebecca. Well, first of all, she's struggling to have a baby. So Isaac prays to God that, um, she gets pregnant, and sure enough, she did. But what's really interesting is Sarah, um, I'm sorry, Rebecca starts saying, 
gosh, the babies are rolling around in there. And I just, it just feels strange. So she cries out to the Lord said, what's happening? And God says, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Very prophetic is he's foretelling the future. Um, Yes, so he's foretelling the future right there. Okay, so when the time came to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first one came out was red, and his body was was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau, and his other brother came out, and his hand grasping Esau's heel, he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when um, Rebecca gave birth to those boys. And Abraham was actually still alive when Esau and Jacob were born, the boys were 15 years old um, when Abraham died. That's just interesting side note. <clears throat> so Esau was very much into hunting and Jacob was very much into farming and he liked being around the, the tents, the community area. So one day Esau's out hunting and he's just come back. He came back from hunting. He was very famished, tired, hungry, um, and he saw Jacob making some soup. And he said, can I have, give me some soup? And Jacob's like, no. Um, oh, he said, okay, I'll give you some soup. First, sell me your birthright. Well, Esau said, look, I'm going to die. That's how hungry he was. A little dramatic. Look, I'm going to die. What good is the birthright to me? So sure enough, Esau, the dum-dum, he swore his birthright away. Away. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup. Irresponsible, ignorant, and just careless. And, and because of that, oh, the very last verse, very last sentence, it says, so Esau despised his birthright. He didn't honor his birthright. He didn't respect it. He took it for granted, and he despised his birthright. Moving down to chapter 26, very interesting chapter. And here's why. Um, we bump into the name Abimelech again. King Abimelech. Do you remember that name? Maybe you do because it's the exact same name as when Abraham lied and said that Sarah was his sister to King Abimelech of the Philistines. So my thought, it's, well, it's not the same Abimelech. It's a different one. So either it's his son, it's like the downline, or maybe that's what they call kings back then. You know how they say pharaohs? I don't know. But it's not the same Abimelech. So basically there was a famine in the land. And so Isaac says, okay, we got to go. God says, don't go into Egypt. Go in the land I'm sending you. But then he bumps into King Abimelech and he's like, ah, I don't want them to kill me. So because my wife, Rebecca, is so beautiful, he tells Rebecca, tell them you're my sister. I don't know what's up with these guys have to lie like that, but he did. And then one day, King Abimelech saw Isaac hugging or kissing his sister, quote unquote, Rebecca, and he pulls him aside and says, what are you doing? Is, I thought you said that was your sister. <laughs> so sure enough, no, that's my wife. So he's really upset that you would even bring that kind of curse into the land. So he sends him away. Well, when he sends them away, Isaac just develops wealth, you know, because remember, he's blessed. 
The blessing runs through his veins. The blessing runs in his DNA. So he is blessed. And King Abimelech sees this and he's like, wow, this guy is really He's wealthy, he's blessed. A lot of the Philistines see it as well, and they're jealous. So they do stupid things like um, plugging up the wells with dirt just because they're just, they have so much resentment to the wealth and the blessings that Isaac seems to get so effortlessly. Um, King Abimelech is also aware of it, and he goes, I just want to make sure it is King Abimelech. Um, meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar. Yes. And he says to him, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. Just as we did you no harm when we sent you away peacefully. So sure enough, Isaac said, okay, let's make this treaty that there will be no harm to you or your descendants. Smart. That's like insurance. That is the greatest life insurance you could possibly get. Okay. Psalms 13. This is a short one, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, How long, Lord, will you forget me? Oh, shoot. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Okay. So David's being transparent here. He's just, he's speaking from his heart. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I love that. You see the switch right there? Because he he went in prayer with serious anguish in his heart. He was real with God. I think that's why God loved David so much, because he was so real. He didn't put up a facade. He didn't act Christianese, or he was just real with God. But then at the end when he says, but I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. It's almost like I will sing the Lord's praise no matter what, whether my enemies are winning or whether you don't seem to come and rescue me, I will sing your praises. That, my friend, is totally applicable to today. Even when you don't feel it, good or bad, sing his praises because he's the creator of all things. Even if if you feel angry towards God, go to him with that anger and explain it to him. If you're frustrated, if you don't feel his presence, go to him with those things. And then when you come to the end, just like David did here, but even still, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Um, it's, it's a perfect example of how we are to pray even today. Powerful. Let's move on to Matthew 13. Jesus is walking along, having a heyday, a good old time, sharing stories, sharing parables. Remember, Jesus likes to speak in parables, which are little stories or little um, little scenarios that, de- that explain a lesson. Isn't he brilliant? That is just so brilliant. Now, there are many, many parables in this chapter, and this, this podcast would be 
so long if I went over each one. Um, but I'm just going to point out a few things and hopefully the podcast won't be terribly long. Um, and you take the time to go read chapter 13. It is awesome. Um, okay, so he... Oh, these parables are just so cool. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it, ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root, other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on, the so- on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times were what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to people in parables? And he replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. I just love it when he talks about kingdom. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Hmm. Whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Oh, that's good. I love that. And I really think that's what I feel like sometimes. Okay, so basically a parable is um, if you are ready to understand it, you'll understand it. If you come in with faith, you'll understand it. If you have an open mind, open heart to receive, you'll get the message. If you have negative mind, you won't get it. It's just going to be a funny story. If you have, um, if you're pessimistic, you won't get it. It'll just be a funny story that you can poke holes at. Um, so what he's saying is with a parable, those who are ready to receive will receive it. And honestly, that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, that um, this whole Bible is going to reveal things when you're ready to receive it. So just keep reading. Already, since I've read it before, I'm seeing things that I didn't understand before, and it's becoming clearer this time around. That, my friend, is so powerful, and I cannot even describe it unless you experience it yourself. So I just say, keep on reading, even though you're like, Daniel in the lion's den again? Really? I know that story. Just read it as if you've never read it before, and it will reveal something to you like a parable does. So, um, so then he proceeds to say, though seeing, they do not see, though hearing, they do not hear or understand in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will, you will be ever hearing, but not understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving for this people's, for this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and would heal. Because God always heals. It's not that God doesn't heal. It's that our hearts are hardened, our eyes are closed, our ears cannot hear, hear and, um, and we're not understanding or perceiving. But when we heal our heart, open our eyes, open our ears, things will be revealed and healing can happen. So cool. Um, Okay, moving down. 
another parable. Okay, so listen what the parable of the sower means. So Jesus is so good. He's actually going to explain it in detail to the disciples of the seeds, sowing of the seeds. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Hmm. This is the seed sown along the path. That's one seed. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's good. So let's say most of us, you know, we go to church on Easter or, or Christmas or Maybe we go over Sunday, but that's it. It's like in and out, get your fix, come on out. Well, that's not deep roots. That is um, kind of shallow roots. So when trouble or persecution comes by, they will quickly fall away. That's powerful. Okay, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Wow. Wow. That's a lot to unpack. Okay. Who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth, just being consumed about what people think of you, what you own, you know, how fancy you look at church, how fancy your house is. It will affect your ability to, um, to hear the word. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times that was what was sown. And my friend, let me reiterate, this is so good. Okay, if you just keep pressing on and stay with me reading these scriptures, it will be just like this. One, your roots will be deep. So when trouble comes your way, you'll be able to withstand. And number two, by um, keeping pressing on, you'll get a deeper understanding. And the more you get an understanding of the word, um, because you're doing it little bit, little bit, little bit every single day, the more you get an understanding, your your fruit will produce tenfold, a hundredfold, well, 60fold, 30 times more, and you'll just be blessed. Um, that's so good. Okay. Oh my goodness. There's so many good parables. You're going to have to read the rest. Oh my gosh. Let me just go through one more. The kingdom. Let's see. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who, that's so good. Is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and the formed um, heads, then the Weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where, what are we going to do? And, the, the, and the, the farmer said, The enemy did this. So what should we do? Should we pull them out? No, no, don't pull them out. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow until the harvest. And at that time, I'll tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them into bundles and burn them. Then gather the wheat and bring them to my my barn. Beautiful. And it seems on a typical day, you'd read that and go, okay, that was weird. I don't understand. 
But as I kind of was digging a little bit deeper, one interpretation is that um, in this life, you might be growing, you know, God poured seeds into your life. But there are so there are also evil and um, weeds in your life. And they're going to grow at the same time. But when all is said and done, those weeds will be plucked from your life and you will rise to the top and then you will be taken to the kingdom. That's so good. Okay, but notice it's in a parable. Because imagine if Jesus came and said, hey, there's going to be evil people that are going to attack you. Um, but don't worry. You get to go to this mysterious place that you have no comprehension of called heaven. You're going to suffer here on earth, but then you get to go to heaven. The people of those times would have said, okay, you're a little bit crazy. Um, but listening to it in a parable, they get to ponder on it. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, one more. I have to. I have to. It's the parable of the mustard seed. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which man, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all the seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch on its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without saying a parable. So fulfilled the, oh, that's so good. So basically Jesus speaks in parables because it pours and pierces your soul. It goes beyond the conscious brain and pierces your soul and your spirit. So this is a big chapter. There's there's still the parable of the the weed, he explains what he means here. He explains the parable. Um, which other parable does he explain? Oof, that's so good. Oh, he explains the parable of the weeds. Oh, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy went and sold sold all he had and bought that field again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one a great value he went away and sold everything he had and bought it i love this chapter because it's talking about kingdom you are royalty you are not of this world you are royalty and when you get into the word a little bit every day it's just going to reveal itself to you and it's going to pierce your soul um and you won't have to try to just read about your identity or try to convince yourself. It will be who you are. You'll walk in the presence of knowing your royalty. Beautiful. So I suggest you go back and read chapter 13 because it's packed with some amazing things. So there you have it. It was a full one today. I hope you enjoyed that. See you tomorrow. <laughs>